GM fam, it is Wednesday, July 26th. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives, and we sincerely hope that whatever you are building today becomes our top story tomorrow. As usual, the past 24 hours has seen a lifetime of action in DeFi and cryptocurrency. So today's top stories is voted on by you, our users. USDC's market cap has dropped by 50% within the past year, raising concerns over Circle's ties to the banking system. We're joined by DeFi Advisor to talk about this. DeFi Advisor, what's your take on this? What's up, sir? Good to uh, be with you uh, here. Um, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem that much to me, the USDC uh, stuff. I think it's more of an expression in uh, liquidity in the, in the overall markets than uh, a threat to USDC's uh, status at the moment. Like, I don't know. Uh, not that big a deal, uh, at least the way I see it. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with your take on that. Um, well, obviously, like the big story has been the liquidity getting vacuumed out of you know, what we're used to. So there's like a ton of people, you know, tons going on within like uh, uh, within like the whole like <laughs> uh, tradfi space, and yeah, we're seeing uh, we're seeing you know a liquidity get vacuumed out. So like USDC has been hit harder than most. Uh, we're also joined by our regular host, Sam, to take things over. Sam. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Oh, hello, Sam. Right, Garrett. You can keep going for now. Let me get steadied in here in a sec. What's, what's the next uh, I have lineup? some audio issues if you guys can take over for me for ah. a second. Oh, it sounds fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. So today is the first stream that we actually have for Telegram. Uh, it, nice. Because, yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. Actually, we've been trying to get this to work for a while now, and uh, it's been. We didn't actually know this, but <laughs> there is a live stream on Telegram. So if you want to go watch on Telegram, it's it's there. Uh, you just go to the Leviathan News uh, like wow. page, and the and the stream will come up. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? Honestly, I, I didn't know they had that option. Yeah, I didn't know this either. I didn't know this either. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about USDC uh, market cap uh, cut by half over the last year or so, whatever the time frame is? Um, big deal, no big deal. Yeah, I think it probably has to do with the like just uncertainty within the United States. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Yeah. I tend to agree. I also just told Garrett that uh, I think it's more of a, uh, like the the global macro liquidity situation. I don't think I think it's uh, something that uh, says a lot about USDC specifically or its situation at the moment. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that like once we get a stronger regulatory situation, people will come flowing back in. But People probably just think it's safer to be in Tether for now or just out of crypto in general. I mean, when when short term rates are paying 5%, there's not a lot of incentives to stay in stable coins. When it's like one to two, like it was, then sure, like there's all the reason to stay in stable coins. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry for coming on a little bit late. I had some technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, uh, what else do we have yesterday? So, 
Oh, Flashbots raised a sixty million Series B at a billion dollar valuation. Wow, that's uh, healthy, <laughs> to say the least. They're now What's a unicorn, them? billion dollar company. That that is pretty crazy. It's actually like probably conservative for their valuation since they essentially run Ethereum at this point. Like the entirety of Ethereum is running through Flashbots. Yeah, that is true, actually. Um, you know how. They, uh... Mm -hmm. How big of a, of a threat is that uh, centralization issue that Flashbots uh, rules such a big uh, chunk of it in your mind? Uh, I think it'll. I, I don't. I don't worry about it too much. Um, I, I think that there's some other discussions that have been having uh, about the Flashbots control. I mean, we talked about this a, a while back about like the PBS updates that uh, are currently going through. Uh, the Ethereum discussion boards, and um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Garrett, did you? We talked about this like what three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah we talked about it a while back, and it's like a contentious debate. Like it's essentially a fully centralized service, and they've been functioning, uh, thankfully, as uh, you know, benevolent actors within the space. But you know, uh, one of the flashpoints came to a head when there was the, um, you might guys might be like too young to remember this, but there was the question over like um, validators not submitting blocks that had OFAC sanctioned addresses mm -hmm. and like, you know, things running through tornado cash, which, um, you know, wasn't too big of an issue. It essentially just meant that like things were slowed down uh, from like 12 seconds to 24 seconds typically. Um, but it still was like this like massive concern about is Ethereum decentralized? Is it centralized if it's like uh, censoring or slowing um, potentially to a trickle uh, kind of like transactions from bad actors? So, you know. well, those those transactions would still be included. It would just take longer for them to be included into the. Into exactly, the exactly. Plot, but right? Bitcoin maxis were sitting there saying, oh, this is proof that proof of stake doesn't work. You know, Ethereum centralized. <laughs> it's run by. Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum. So, how long they can, can they be delayed at such uh, situations? For example, like can they can uh, they be delayed for like months or a year, or is it just a matter of uh, like uh, minutes or? Is it... No, it's just a few blocks. It's yeah. it's like you'd have to wait an extra thirty seconds or a minute or something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't Even... too bad. You could yeah. first see a scenario where like Kim Jong Un hops on and tries to like send a. <laughs> transaction and 99.9% .9 of people are censoring him. Um, but if he keeps like a small relay of people in North Korea running nodes, eventually it'll go through. Yeah, exactly. Like there's no way to censor the block completely. Uh, eventually it'll get your, your validator will get selected or your node operator will get selected and it'll get included in the block. Uh, you'll get to build the block, but um, it's, I, I don't, I don't worry about that too much. I think the, it, it, but Flashbots has proposed like open sourcing their software and allowing different clients to run. So um, yeah, they're pushing in the right direction. It's just gonna be interesting to see is now that they're a unicorn, like what obligations they have, uh, especially as like regulatory frameworks uh, get proposed and developed within the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so we'll see more of Flashbots. Obviously, I mean, let's pull up the Flashbots Dune dashboard here. So Flashbots has, according to Dune, extracted more than $700 million of MEV. And they have uh, provided, most of that's arbitrage, right? So $541 million of arbitrage, gross profits, 
172 million dollars worth of liquidation profits um and how long did they how long did it actually take them to uh, get to this uh, total gross uh, extracted mev or so that was they started back in march of 2020 man and you said that they they just got a 1 billion dollar valuation but they created in 3 years uh, like uh, this kind of value or am i getting uh, something wrong uh yeah no they raised a billion dollar valuation um but you know most of this profit goes to the like the the people executing the strategies right flashbots just takes a, a small cut of yeah. all of this yeah still like crypto valuations make no sense to me if you're like talk if you expect as i do that crypto is going to be a multi trillion dollar industry a billion dollar valuation for controlling and having such a uh, control over the direction of it seems wildly conservative to me mhm yeah i tend to agree not financial advice folks Uh... <laughs> yeah so the the transactions that flashbots runs <clears throat> like they they kind of put together these bundles right so the bundles are sent to relayers relayers act as like the the people who include everything into the blocks uh and then the flashbot miners are miners who are running a modified uh gas client and they choose the most profitable bundle most profitable bundle and then choose to mine that in the next block. Uh and then miners get paid by the searchers directly with Ethereum fees uh in the smart contract instead of transaction fees. Yeah, I um have availed myself of it. It's a wonderful service. I have uh, in my history proposed 10 blocks and oh, really? some of some of them have been uh substantial. So oh, wow. like like not 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 like you know, not not like, you know, life-changing like retirement money. Um but you know when you sit there and you like process the blocks and it earns you like you know since I've been doing it like I've earned like half an ethereum or so, or maybe one ethereum per validator mm -hmm. um but but then when you get like all of a sudden like a one time payoff of like point zero five to point one eth you're like, huh, okay, that's why I'm doing it <laughs> well, that's pretty cool um, i mean the the dream now I want to say dream because it's unfortunate, but like conic finance was hacked the other day, but a lot of it went to m e v about like two thirds of the proceeds went to an MEV bot. And, you know, wow. if your validator just happens to be selected, uh, that's, you know, that's <laughs> if, if it was me, I'd refund it. Right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, Speaking of... you're like, you should be the prime minister of uh, Ethereum if you were uh, going to take, if you're going to return that money, you know what I mean? Maybe I'd take of... a 10% MEV fee. Who knows? Speaking of conic finance, let me bring up the story from... Uh, their, their most recent blog post. So it's called Looking Ahead, and they're like talking actually about the MEV bots, right? So, so say, they said, since the first exploits occurred, we've been doing everything we can to recover the stolen funds. Yesterday, we were able to communicate with one of the MEV bots that incidentally profited from the exploit. The owner of the MEV bot has done the right thing <laughs> and returned the 81 ETH. Uh, the bot wow. made 90 ETH profit Of which he kept nine eth as a ten percent bounty so I said <laughs> yeah like sounds like uh, this is like the the normal fee in the industry I guess transaction fees right <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, you gotta you gotta keep some aside to pay for gas to return that <laughs> true, true. are the are the conic uh, contracts online it are they are um, they back running again no no those they're still suspended uh they are still um Yeah, they're still paused you can only withdraw yeah. 
Uh, they, they haven't provided any sort of timeline on getting them up. They probably have to go back through audit and uh, get fully checked again, right? Yeah, I'd imagine. Way, I'd imagine they have to go through another round of audits and yeah, <laughs> maybe ask the auditors better. what happened mm -hmm. this last yeah. go round. I think it's better for them. And by the way, I wanted to ask something. Maybe it's a dumb question, but uh, still, I think uh, myself, I myself am interested uh, in the answer. And I think maybe quite a few uh, listeners or viewers, like just like they suspended the deposit, theoretically, theoretically, can they also uh, suspend withdrawals? Because if they can, like uh, it's kind of problematic, no? I don't know if they can suspend withdrawals. I'd have to look at the contract. I don't. I would assume not. But because that's a that's a rug function right there. Yeah. Yeah. So my guess would be no. Um, but it's it's possible they could have coded it in. Okay. Uh, we also had another cool product released yesterday, which was the uh, Badger's Badger Finances EBTC Purple Paper. And so <laughs> EBTC is a uh, zero fee synthetic Bitcoin that's minted against Steph. So essentially <clears throat> it's it's you deposit your you deposit your steth into this contract and then you borrow uh, EBTC against it and so you are long ETH at that point and short Bitcoin and you are able to take a pretty high collateralization ratio and as long as you maintain I believe above one hundred and ten percent which is quite high uh, then you can hold and use this Bitcoin for whatever you want to do. And uh, like if you want to get leveraged, if you want to short Bitcoin and get leveraged ETH, you can sell the Bitcoin and buy more ETH with it. Uh, you could uh, go farm with it. I mean, there's a bunch of different options of what you can do with this synthetic EBTC. The main thing is that what Badger's trying to do is, is like create the first real synthetic asset for Bitcoin uh, on Ethereum that, that doesn't rely on these uh, I there's not even really like it doesn't rely on like a centralized bridge like with WBTC or the poor alternatives for decentralized bridges that have existed and uh, there have been several uh, attempts to bring decentralized BTC onto Ethereum but nothing has really taken off you had RenBTC which was run for a significant amount of time and then they shut down and uh, it was it was kind of weird i mean you remember this with with curve right curve was telling people hey get your rim btc off like take it out of curve like you know get out of it um that was a whole fiasco wasn't it Gary? yeah it is you know the at the time it was like yeah that will let the past be in the past but like there was exposure to like all the sbf stuff and um there may even be some with wbtc which is the most popular one um, but yeah, I would point out that like this, like a new generation of Bitcoin on Ethereum emerging, uh, you know, it's still in its infancy. So we'll have to see where it goes. I think EBTC is very much a part of it. Um, and to your point, Sam, they like explicitly mentioned like the ability for this to like, uh, serve as like a hedging instrument. Um, and the other one that I want to shout out is Threshold Network's TBTC, which is actually looking to build out a very decentralized, um, bridge between Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, more decentralized than any of the bridges we've seen in the past. Like it's not, it's starting out with like a little bit of centralization to get it off the ground. Um, but they like, they've taken a lot of steps to like actually like allow it to uh, go in the direction of true decentralization. They um, 
one of the things that they did was they brought on Chris Bleck to like analyze and the entire like architecture of it and like give his like thoughts on it. Uh, Chris Bleck, of course, is like one of the leading uh, advocates for decentralization. Um, you know, he's constantly like hammering protocols whenever they have any issues with decentralization. Um, and he like he didn't give it like a full clean bill of health, but like seemed to say it was promising. Um, so with with TBTC, they started off only being able to mint. Mm-hmm from Bitcoin to Ethereum. And just last week, they, uh, or two weeks ago, I'm like still on metric uh, time, um, like uh, enabled burns back to Bitcoin. And that's been going successfully. So they're actually like hitting their roadmap. Um, so we're, we're, we're seeing like the advent of like V2 of Bitcoin on Ethereum and it's looking exciting. So, Honestly, a very interesting uh, narrative. I also think they're doing a uh, badger, uh, like, I think it's a smart move to go the ST ETH uh, way in a way because uh, it's like, uh, you know, ST ETH is like, uh, it's just sitting there. It's waiting for stuff to, uh, uh, to do. Yeah. And so and much so, of it. In case people miss this point, like the reason that it's zero fees is you don't get to keep the yield of the Steph, Steve, whatever it's, however it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you give them the Steph and they take the yield and use that to power and pay for all the fees as well as like fund. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's like an implicit, it's like an implicit 5% borrow on uh, Bitcoin that you're taking against your staff. Exactly. And I think we're going to see more and more like LSD five protocols uh, take that sort of, you know, take that approach. Yeah. So this, 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 screenshot that we're posting was from lobsters this was posted by uh, uh mclean williamson who called it an alpha leak for his lobster friends and uh this shows the ability to actually unmint tbtc and then we also have a dune dashboard as well too so the current supply of tbtc is 24 million 24 and a half million dollars uh, this has been live since February 1st, and currently there is 836 TBTC that has been minted. Um, a good majority of this is in Curve. So right now, 233 out of the 800 TBTC is in Curve, probably trading against WBTC and earning some CRV return or CRV yields. Yeah, one of the new tri-crypto pools that has been launched on Curve is TBTC along with uh, Wrapped Steph. And Curve USD. Uh, so this one kind of went live recently, and it's getting really good incentives, which is you know it's a bit more of a decentralized version of each of the three assets in Tri Crypto. Interesting. Uh, so and, yeah, an interesting farming option for the uh, DGens out there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it'll be nice to see. I think there's more decentralized BGC options coming. I mean, the problem the problem with bringing over Bitcoin is that there's no real great way to uh, custody the BTC and have it and have it uh, like broadcast like Bitcoin doesn't like broadcast signals to other networks like Ethereum can so like Ethereum can broadcast out signals like you can code a contract that that calls a API function or, or does something but it doesn't go the other way so there's some trust assumptions which have to be overcome uh, Normally, this is done with. I don't know how TBTC is doing it, but uh, I knew with Ren they had their like network of uh, nodes, which is essentially like spread the uh, the keys out, uh, the private keys for uh, custodying the BTC. 
uh, and those nodes would be uh, like paid for their services. Um, but yeah, or you have to use a centralized service like WBTC or like WBTC. Yeah, we could probably get someone from TBTC on, to be honest. I mm -hmm. think they'd be happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So if it is a novel solution, then you know, hopefully it can start to take a greater market share away from WBTC because it's 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 interesting to me that Bitcoin is such a large part of the DeFi ecosystem across all of Ethereum, uh, yet it's primarily just driven by one asset, which is WBTC. Yeah, and Will in the comments asks if we have any opinions on BTCB, which uh, my understanding is, is the layer zero version of uh, Bitcoin. Hmm. Uh, no, I, I've not seen that yet. Have you Have you looked at that? I haven't looked into it, so uh, I'll have to. Awesome. Layer zero is great. So. I thought it was the the BTC on Binance used to be called like that. No, am I doing? <laughs> Uh, no, well, there no is naming, a... no naming conventions in crypto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking at the BTC pools on Curve, and the largest ones, pretty much every single major pool on Curve is uh, is WBTC. So the largest tri crypto pool is WBTC with 130 million. Uh, actually, the, the second largest WTC place is is also the non. Wait, what's the difference between tri crypto v2 and then this? Uh, TriCrypto USDC. Oh, this one has that's the legacy. That's the legacy TriCrypto from the previous iterations. Uh, TriCrypto USDC is the V2. Uh, so we'll probably expect TriCrypto 2 gets deprecated at some point in favor of the newer pools. But it seems that the market's still signaling that they want to have USDT as the pair and not USDC. Uh, yeah, that's part of it. Um, part of it is just that the, uh, like, <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know, know, understand why this is. Um, so it's the same composition TriCrypto2 as TriCrypto USDT. Uh, uh, the latter is earning better rewards, but for some reason, people are keeping all their money in the former. Hmm. Uh, so my expectation is at some point, um, obviously, there's still incentives flowing to both pools. So maybe people are just like, it's fine. I'm not going to bother moving. Um, and I think that's because not every uh, exchange aggregator is hooked up to run trades through TriCrypto USDT. Mm -hmm. So there's still utility in having um, in having both pools. But my guess is as soon as TriCrypto uh, NG pools are kind of more fully supported, we're going to see it get choked off to TriCrypto two, and all the liquidity migrates. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting process. So outside of those two th or three pools, the largest non well not purely WBTC pool is the HBTC pool with ten million dollars in it. Um, and even that one's skewed towards WBTC by 60%. So uh, WBTC dominates the landscape. And uh, you know, if you go to Aave or Compound, I don't, I don't think there's options for, uh, for BTC peers other than WBTC. Yeah, it's WBTC's world still. Um, like there's been questions because like some of the authorized mentors of WSBT included uh, either Alameda or FTX. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, possible red flags, but whatever. Um, Will, by the way, follows up on BTCB, which is uh, describing as a non-custodial Bitcoin to avalanche, uh, I guess, uh, bridge integrated with layer zero, used widely in avalanche DeFi and enabled for all L0 chains. And BTCB is also available on Aave. Yeah, since since I guess it's just ease of use, right? So there, yeah. since there is no real great 
like decentralized custody solution for Bitcoin yet or for a, a Bitcoin wrapped asset. Uh, people just automatically go to WBTC because they don't mind. Yeah, and also I think because uh, they have uh, currently a lot more uh, things they can do with RevBTC, you know, to take a it's loan crazy. against it yeah. or whatever. But uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, now, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff uh, are going to emerge. Because uh, honestly, I think that uh, uh, the way I imagine it, I won't be surprised if in like uh, 10 or 20 years, uh, there's more BTC on Ethereum than not, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, the WBTC thing is it's it's mostly used as a collateral asset. So if you don't have the integrations, if you're not in Aave, if you're not in Compound, if you're not in Curve, I mean, Curve is Curve, right? You can create any pool you want and then get a gauge. But uh, if nobody's borrowing against your asset, then it just is not going to be used in general. And you won't get the TVLs that you need to, to become significant. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's also the WBTC has held its peg pretty well. I think that's the thing I want to watch out for with EBTC is how well it holds its peg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, we also had some interesting. So, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see how this like EBTC like badger release comes, like how much demand there is for synthetic shorts. Uh, I bet but... we can get badger on to come talk about it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris is always willing to come and talk. I, I, I'm surprised we haven't had him on yet, um, but we'll, we'll reach out today. Um, Good so the big story, well, actually, this has been like an ongoing story. It was really interesting yesterday to hear in the interview with Jason how like all the networks, when you talk to them, are just interested in developing games, that like games are at the top of the list for all these networks. Uh, but at the same time, the other big narrative that has been happening is RWAs or real real world assets, tokenization of houses, of stocks, bonds, like all different types of securities and then putting them on Ethereum and connecting them into DeFi. Uh, this has been a ongoing, ongoing pr like narrative and problem since the early 2020s. And we're still kind of spinning up. We don't really have a dominant player yet. Nobody has a moat, and uh, the options have been limited so far. Uh, this year, we've seen the introduction of on-chain treasuries with Ondo, and there are several options for going out and uh, lending your USDC or USDT into these like money markets that, that then get taken off-chain and lent out to people. Uh, but I think there's a big push that's coming for RWAs. We had two stories yesterday. Uh, first is Binance released their market research on RWA, and they estimate a $16 trillion market cap for these assets uh, by the end of 2030. That's in six years. So <laughs> that's an insane amount of, of, of growth uh, over the next few months. Uh, they say... And layer that, zero is only valued at a billion. Yeah. Not layer zero, uh, flashbots. Yeah, so they essentially are are like going the bullish route here and saying that there's going to be huge growth in the in the RWA scene. Uh, you know, the treasury market alone is is going to explode, uh, and it could be it could be the next big driver, right, of of growth across these like L1 and L2s. 
Yeah, this will actually be huge, but it will also uh, like uh, get us into uh, a whole new era of uh, different centralized uh, risks. Like uh, if, uh, if if in the last cycle we saw like the exchanges uh, and custody service go down uh, pretty much uh, one by one, mm-hmm. I think that this next wave of RWAs will also bring a lot of uh, it will bring a lot of bad services with it. To be honest. It- But I do think it's happening. It's very, it's it's also very important. But uh, you know, we we are going to have some clashes with this one for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. Just imagine what a sixteen trillion dollar uh, RWA <laughs> bubble crash yeah. could do to all of our token prices. Like, well, the dumps were bad now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be like that. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit um, hyperbolic to to talk about it in those terms. Like, if somebody's getting it on chain, they obviously have the the right licenses and. Uh, go ahead to operate in the way that they want to. So uh, I think the big thing, I think the big thing that people have talked about this cycle, at least in 2023, has been the, the treasury markets since rates have uh, gone up to five, six, uh, even higher outside the United States. And I think investors would like to get access to that on chain so they don't have to move off. Um, so they can get out of stable coins, which are, not a great proposition when when like you can get in a short-term treasury for five percent um and so we'll see we'll see if this rwa train can actually gain some steam um i think the it's probably closely tied in with adequate transparent and uh clear-headed legislation that needs to be passed in the in the u.s congress um but we'll see we'll see and so you have a lot of networks specifically in for today's story uh avalanche that have come out and are starting to uh create these like funds so let me pull this up okay they changed (laughs) so twitter changed their they got rid of the bird right it's hard to see did you notice that today they got rid of the bird it's not x so avalanche avalanche came out and said they're introducing this uh through the foundation it's called avalanche vista a $50 million initiative to pioneer tokenization on Avalanche. Uh, this is just like one of many different funds. Um, Avalanche is getting into the game, hopefully to, to drive some of this tokenization over to the networks. Algorand has been big on this as well too. Uh, and it's not really been like a needle mover yet. So we will see if this is enough to uh, bring new users over to their networks. I've been impressed by Avalanche managing to stay relevant and like continue like you know surviving the spare market and building and launching all this stuff do any of you use avalanche a lot no um, i also don't uh, really use it but i uh, get your point there uh, like it doesn't seem like avalanche is uh, going anywhere and i do think that uh, they do have some kind of uh, user base at least with uh, some of the users uh, i'm in contact uh, with and uh, I think they have a very strong uh, financial back, to be honest. Like they can pull out all kinds of incentives for uh, whatever they want to achieve. So I do think that they, they're going to have their way uh, in the next bull market. I think they're going to do, they're, they're going to have a vibrant ecosystem there. Uh, yeah, so we will see how that plays out. Uh, I know that, you know, Avalanche is probably preparing themselves for the game this stuff as well, too, with their subnets. Uh, but, you know, it's really up in the air to see how the next cycle plays out. Could be games, could be RWAs. We will see. Uh, but we'll definitely keep on watching the growth and 
hopefully we do get to sixteen trillion dollars because if if there's that much RWAs on on Ethereum and other L1s, it's an enormous amount of fees that have to be paged. Yeah, yeah, and also I think it will only be like uh, you know it will also be the start because uh, eventually there's going to be a lot more than uh, sixteen trillion of uh, real world assets on uh, Ethereum. The way I see it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's why we're all bullish. We're all early. Yeah. So, yeah. Garrett, did you did you look into this? Uh, I think you brought up this optimism uh, story that we have today. <clears throat> I did, um, and you know, basically, what I see here is that uh, you know, there's been a bunch of forks of optimism as we've seen, right? Like base is forking optimism, and each of these chains that forks optimism, they have their own innovations on top of it, right? So. Optimism is really hoping that they can keep everything standardized in some way that they can kind of combine all these optimism forks into a complete stack and create like this like mega Uber chain. Hmm. Uh, so to do so, they're just proposing some standards by which this could be done. And this is um, this is that uh, screenshot that you just brought up as yeah, how they're super chain, super so chain, oh, yeah. <laughs> So they're creating the law of change. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. Um, yeah. So the law of change, they say, is is going to ensure the block space remains homogenous, neutral, neutral, and open. Uh, it will benefit from constant improvement through shared upgrades and then more available infrastructure uh, because everything will be standardized and then everything could be like indexed and sequenced uh, affordably and and uh, you know easily across all these different networks. Yes, we'll we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. It's a cool name though. Law of chains. Law of chains and a super chain. Super chain, yeah. So A plus branding in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. How is this the first time that we're hearing the concept super chain? That's a good question. I'll ask the marketers (laughs) of the other chains. Yeah, we should have asked uh, should have asked Arbitrum about that. (laughs) Why didn't Satoshi come up with super chain if he's so smart or she's so smart? Uh, let's see what else. Quantstamp settled with the SEC for twenty-eight point three five million for their unregistered uh, securities exchange or securities offering back in twenty seventeen. Wow, five years to get to this point. Uh, so they sold QSP tokens to five thousand investors, including investors in the United States, and uh, they did not register as a securities offering. They didn't have a Form D. They didn't have a Form S. And so they've been fined all this money. The daily casual uh, SEC story of the day. Exactly. Uh, The interesting thing about this one is that they did not admit or deny the SEC's findings. So they just settled with them and they agreed to a cease and desist order and to pay a disgorgement of $1.9 million dollars and also interest of $500,000 and a civil penalty of $1 million. And then to establish a fair fund to return monies paid in the ICO to investors. I guess they made more money than that in that case. Uh, So if you are or were a Quantstamp investor, you should definitely be looking to hopefully get some money back. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, I think that is mostly it. There's some other stories here, like the Singapore High Court recognized crypto as, as property. Uh, it's kind of local. And um, uh, mm-hmm. 
I actually wanted us to mention uh, the the Frax uh, V3 stuff. I saw some stuff on it uh, yesterday. Oh yeah, uh, highly <laughs> rumored. Just but just a bunch of rumors at the moment. But Sam's starting to like leak out stuff about Frax V3. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which... you know it, it. I'm sorry, but you say a bunch of rumors, and I get it. But I saw a tweet. I think it was yesterday where uh, DeFi Dave. He had a tweet saying like "fucks V3, fucks V3, fucks V3." I think I think they're getting closer to releasing it. Nobody knows exactly what the mechanism is. Sam said some things about how it should work, uh, notably that it it doesn't. It's not. It, it the goal of Frax V3 is to reduce the dependencies on USDC in uh, some way. So yeah, whatever so that means. Stuff. Yeah, implying the Fedmaster account and stuff like that, right? I saw some implies on that. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. I, not directly by Frex uh, team or something like that. I yeah, I don't think this from. actually has to do with the FMA. Um, so he said it's it's more of a way to keep the peg without having to rebalance the curve pools or sell collateral. So it's like a new mechanism uh, that they've designed, and it's uh, it's like does some cool stuff there's not that actually he, there's not that much information about it i mean he's 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 dropped it he says it's a brand new design nobody's ever done this it's developed completely in-house and the whole point is to uh reduce the reliance on uh fiat coins somehow although i've, I've seen some chatter about frax usd um basically being like real world treasury deposits uh whatnot and then using that as collateral backing uh, and you know Sam's been talking about that a little bit, and there's been like rumors that it's gonna like uh, be managed through Paxos or something like that. Anything you've heard on that front? Well, I think this is the this is the issue for any decentralized stablecoin issuer is that at some point you either have to cut a deal with the with the actual issuer, so like USDC, Paxos, to get a portion of that uh, interest routed back to you, or you have to go set up your own stablecoin. And then you could capture everything, but you got to run it at that point. So I think most, you know, like DAI's taken, like gone in line with with Coinbase, and they're getting what, like one point five percent or two percent back from from Circle now uh, that they're using for the DSR. Um, and Binance had some agreements with Paxos as well too for BUSD. So all these agreements are out there. Uh, I think that some of them are probably not so explicit as well too uh, but you know the, i think there's going to be a, a a marked change over the next year or two about how stable coins are used and about how they're issued and what that relationship is between on-chain protocols and the stable coin issuers themselves um, i think there's going to be competition for that interest yield uh, stable coin issuers are going to have to compete against each other to see who can pay the most so that they can retain the highest TVL. All right, tinfoil cast here. Is this? Oh, yeah. uh, is this? I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call. Case? I wouldn't call it tinfoil cast. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call it tinfoil cast. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the case. I mean, like that. There, there has been some rumors about this whole Paxos thing. We do have the the Frax PP pool on Curve, uh, where. Frax is paired against USDP, and it's the, the second largest Frax pool after the, the Frax USDC base pool. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. But even even I, I like I I I like 
read and write Frax all day, and I've yet to find a deeper discussion of this. So I don't have any information for you guys other than what has been publicly announced by the team in the chat. Well, maybe we can get someone named Sam to come on and talk about it. Yeah. 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 That other so, Sam. I think in, in, I think in a week or two. So Drake, one of the developers, it's his, uh, he's getting married this week. And so. Oh, and, congratulations. Yeah, everybody's going. Yeah. So everybody's going to his wedding, and then I think there's going to be an announcement after that. Once Ooh, are we going to have Leviathan live coverage of the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> I think there would be a, I think there would be a flywheel uh, uh, thing. <laughs> but we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll see. We'll have pictures. The rare wedding cast. We do so many prison casts <laughs> and tinfoil casts. Yeah, yeah. uh, but, but I don't think, I, at this point, this, the big things that are going to move the needle for Frax uh, potentially could be V3. Uh, I think it's going to be the FraxGov uh, deployment, which will completely remove the ability of the multi-sig to, to have any like unilateral control on the protocol. Uh, and then the addition of the Frax v 2 contracts, uh, which will also uh, allow anybody to come in. And essentially, it's essentially like Rocket Pool, but without the governance token um, and higher LTVs. So I think those two additions will be much more it could be much more significant than what v3 is is uh, going to end, update going to be exciting for sure honestly much anticipated and i really think that uh, if it works out uh, well as i hopefully uh, as hopefully it does i think it's going to be it can be a very big uh, catalyst uh, for frax if they uh, go there uh, like you know if they start having actual decentralized uh, governance mm -hmm. it's going to be a game changer for them yeah, of course. I mean, this is this is something that's been said, you know, well over several times at this point. So yeah. I think a lot of people are just sitting on the sidelines waiting for uh, the multi sigs to to not have the yeah. the power that they do, right? To have five people. I think it's the one of the top uh, crit criticisms or critiques, or however you say that, uh, mm -hmm. about Fox. Cool. Yeah, but as we've seen with a lot of these projects, like you move from a like more centralized state into fully decentralized and then the goal really is to like just throw up your hands and kind of disappear into the the ether uh, yeah and then the system just runs itself right <laughs> yeah yeah slowly but, uh, step by step well let's leave it at that um i think we covered all the big stories for today especially the ones in DeFi, where we love to discuss and where we live every single day the three of us uh, we will be back tomorrow. It's Wednesday. We'll be back Thursday for another episode of Leviathan News. Garrett, DeFi Advisor, it was great to have you guys on today. And Same. Great to be here. Mm -hmm. And also our audience as well, too. For those of you tuned in to the Telegram live stream, thank you so much for tuning in. Also, you on Twitter and those for us watching on YouTube or Spotify. Thank you so much. And we will be back tomorrow. Amen. Goodbye, folks.